It isn't easy to be optimistic when you have thousands of unknown miles ahead of you and an army of zombies at your heels, especially when the road you've been traveling for hours is barren of all life, except the undead, of course. If I hadn't promised to believe everything will be all right, I might consider jerking the steering wheel out of Peter's hands and sending us all into a tree. It may be unlikely we'll get to Alaska, but I won't be the one to say it. Want me to drive? I ask. Peter takes his puffy eyes off the road. I've begged him to sleep, but he refuses. I couldn't sleep after Adrian died. Maybe in a little while. Peter's the main reason for my optimism. He says we'll make it, and I think that belief is what's holding him together. That and Bits, who sits in the back with Hank, both staring out the window as we follow the RV and pick up through Quebec. Or maybe we're in Ontario now. I unscrew the cap of my water bottle and offer it to Peter. His dark hair is limp, hanging to his cheekbones, and he pushes it back with a sigh. I want to say something, but there's not much to say to someone when they've just watched the person they love become a zombie. I know this from experience. The sun bleaches the brown grass to beige and flickers through the trees like a strobe light. I'm too tired to find my sunglasses, so I close my eyes to escape its brightness. A moment later, I start awake, heart racing and damp with sweat. I saw Anna, face slack and neck bloody, right before I sent a bullet into her brain. John under a pile of lexers, Henry's struggle before he fell into the bus, Dan watching us leave from the ambulance's roof. Dan's dead by now. If he lost the nerve to do it himself, even bolstered by the flask he always carried, enough time has passed that he's one of them dead, even if he's walking. I know he didn't lose his nerve, though. I may not have known him as well as I could have, but he wasn't the kind of guy who'd sit around and wait to become a zombie. I haven't slept in over a day, but I won't sleep until Peter does. He needs the company, and truthfully, so do I. I'm afraid to go to sleep, to dream, because no matter how optimistic you are when awake, sleep gives your brain free reign to fuck with you. My eyelids threaten to lower, and I sit up straight, legs crossed under me. Crisscross applesauce, Bits calls it. Lie down, Peter says. I'm fine. Cassandra, please. You need to rest too, I say. I'll keep you company until then. He doesn't argue, even though I know he wants to by the way he grips the steering wheel. Penny sticks her head between us from the back. Let me and James take over for a while. Penny doesn't look much better than Peter, but she uses her teacher voice that leaves no room for argument. She hasn't asked me for more specifics about how I killed her sister. That's a conversation I hope never to have. Peter pulls to the side of the road. The other vehicles stop, and Nellie leans out of the pickup's window. When he sees we're switching, he sits with the engine idling until we resume driving. Our last pit stop wasn't too long ago. There isn't much room for passengers when the VW's bed is open, but Bits and Hank are small kids and they fit on the two seats that are left. I smile at them, and even Hank, who lost his dad yesterday, smiles back. You guys tired? I ask. They both shake their heads. Hungry? Two more shakes. I finish working off my boots and dig my fingers into my heel. It may be smarter to sleep with my boots on, but my feet need out.
Peter kicks off his boots, places his holster by his side, and flops back with an arm over his eyes. Are you okay if I sleep? I ask the kids. Do you need anything? Hank fingers Adrian's knife on his belt, which I officially gave to him last night. I had my K-bar in my bag, and Adrian would have liked for Hank to have it. We've got it, he says. It would almost be funny because he's a skinny ten-year-old with big glasses and burgeoning dreadlocks that look more like a clear-cut forest than hair, but his dad is evident in Hank's serious expression. I hope there is such a thing as heaven and that Henry's with Corinne and Dottie now. I hope everyone we've lost is up there, having a kick-ass dinner or something. John believed they would be, and if it's true, he's up there. I kiss the kids' foreheads, then lie down and steal myself from more images. The splatter that flew out the back of Anna's head, hitting the Lexers behind her. The way her hands twitched on the dirt road before going still. But when I close my eyes, it's only blackness. Even my brain is too tired for games right now.